Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here. Welcome to the house of God. It's a good day in the Lord. I uh, only heard a little bit about the trip to Chicago and so on. I trust that it was a blessing um, in spite of the difficulties and the weather not so, not so nice, but I trust that the word of the Lord going forth can bear fruit to the salvation of souls. Well, this morning, I felt led of the Lord to preach a message to the youth that are unmarried concerning courtship. And finding God's plan in marriage. Now, I know that's a very narrow segment of... uh, of the audience here this morning. Um, I hope you feel special rather than picked on. (laughs) Finding God's plan in marriage, and I think it was something that uh, Brother Darrell mentioned in his message last Sunday that sort of sparked this in my mind. And he was I don't even remember the specific comment, but he was talking about what kind of a woman or a young lady a young man should be looking for, something about her character and so on. And that, among other things, set me to thinking, and I realized that I don't think I have ever preached a message on this topic. In fact, I'm not sure if we've ever really had a message just specifically on this, at least I didn't preach one, in a good long while. And it is a very important topic, and so I'd like to this morning just lay out a few principles concerning finding God's plan in marriage. And what I'm going to focus specifically on is is just our how we determine God's will in choosing a life companion. I'm not going to be speaking uh, so much on how a courtship should be conducted, but uh, speaking primarily to what leads up to that. How do you determine who you should court? Maybe I'll speak a a little bit at the outset here about what I'm calling courtship. Uh, Some people, as as I was growing up, it was we called it dating, and the concept was a little too much like the world's concept, I guess, in that the young man is just supposed to look around and find a young lady of his choice, and he goes and asks her out and. And they start a friendship, and he, um, and if things work out well, then they might progress to an engagement and then a marriage. But behind that was kind of the concept that you try this for a little bit, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, then you start over. You, uh, you, you and this lady, if you're the young man, this lady, you kind of part ways and, and the young man starts looking for another one. Well, that doesn't seem to fit so well with the biblical instructions and the seriousness of marriage because marriage should be approached a little more seriously than, say, starting a business. You start a business and it might look rosy at the beginning, but if things get tough, well, hey, you can always just quit. You know, just scrap that idea and start over. Well, it's not that way in a marriage. Marriage is for life. Marriage is, uh, is permanent, and it should be entered into in the fear of God. So, 
We have encouraged and taught the concept of courtship where you enter into a beginning friendship with a little more forethought and God's direction than just what we would have known as dating. You rather consult with your parents. Uh, the young man maybe asks her parents and there is a, an agreement in, with the authorities in your life that this is a good thing and it proceeds on that foundation and a friendship is, is formed and leading to marriage. We prefer to call that courtship in that it's more thought through than just a pick and choose, we'll try this for a little bit, if it doesn't work we'll try this one and that concept. But rather entering into it with some prayer and some purpose. Now on the other side of that, if um, I know there is a possibility of, of lifting this thing so high that you must know the will of God before you ever ask a girl that it's almost intimidating. And while I can understand that, I, I still want to emphasize the importance of entering into it with prayer and, and God's direction. But what happens if things don't go so smoothly? If you ask for a young lady and you get a no, well then what? Did that mean you didn't hear from God? And I know there's some young men have really struggled with that and thinking, well, well, I must not have heard from God if I got a no. Well, my admonition this morning for all of you is to have faith in God. <coughs> have faith in God. In fact, I'll put that on the board here. Now this is an important principle in all of our life, in any decision, any, any endeavor in life, is to have faith in God. But we're going to think of that particularly in, in applying to this thing of, of marriage. It seems to me the ideal picture of how this should work, I just want to lay this out so you know where I'm going with it, is that a young man in seeking a life companion he should consider of course the qualities that he's looking for and and if the young lady that he is considering has those qualifications he should have prayed about it he should have considered this and spoken with his parents about it and if he feels clear from the Lord and his parents are clear before the Lord about this matter and, and they are encouraging him to pursue it, he then goes to the next step of consulting with her parents or her father in particular and to gain his blessing or approval on this courtship before it begins. If he gets a confirmation from her parents and a yes, then it can proceed to asking the young lady if she would consent. And then she can say yes or no. And if she says yes, the young man rejoices and he proceeds with this friendship. And if the Lord blesses it and it proceeds to marriage and they are married in the Lord and are blessed. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So that I think is what we should be striving for as, as 
a, a line or course of action in how this thing unfolds in determining God's will. But I know there are quite a few courtships that it didn't flow that well and that smoothly. It just, it may hit some roadblocks. Maybe the father says no. Or maybe the young lady says no. And then what? Did this serious young man who thought he was hearing from God, did he really not hear from God? Or, or what? And there's a lot of emotions tied up in these things. They, they can really uh, tear at our emotions, and I, that's, that's just part of the way it is, I guess. You can't get around that entirely. But I would just like to say I don't think the young men should be discouraged, but rather, if they get a no, they should have faith in God because they should have started out with faith in God. They should maintain faith in God and trust that God does have their best in mind and not let it become a, just a complete discouragement or to even lose confidence or faith in God. I think it's important in order to maintain faith in God for us this could be both young men and young ladies, is to reserve your emotions, to restrain them and keep them from going far toward a certain individual. Because if a young man has really set his heart on a young lady and allowed his emotions to go and just go and then get to know, that can be devastating. Or, on the other hand, if the young lady has set her heart on a young man and he never asks, well, then what? And then maybe a different young man asks. And then what is she supposed to say? Because she had her heart set, well, I trust we have mentioned it before enough that you know our admonition is to not set your heart on a certain individual until God has made it clear what his will is for you. And that will spare you from a lot of, a lot of difficulty. Now I'm not saying that our emotions don't, don't get involved because they do. And that's not altogether wrong. But it is very important to have it surrendered and submitted first of all to the will of God and not let it get to run ahead and cause you trouble. The question is sometimes asked, so is there only one person that God has in mind for me? And I've had some discussions and dialogues on this question with other brothers. Is there only one person that's right? And if you go too far down that road, then it puts a pretty heavy burden on you to begin with as to whether you should pursue this or that. And, and if you miss it, well, then, then you've missed it. And you've missed it big time if, if there's only one. And yet, I would say on the other hand, we're not interested in just trying this one or trying that one and see if we, by chance, we can persuade one. No, that's, that's not God's will either. I believe we should simply have faith that God will make it plain which one is for us. Because there, we only need one. One man one wife. That's how God designed it. And so, if that's God's design, then if we trust in Him, He will bring it to pass. If we simply allow Him to lead us. Now my encouragement to the young men, as I've laid out these steps, is 
this matter of finding God's will, you may have a certain young lady in mind, and you may have prayed about it. You should have prayed about it. You have been seeking the Lord. Your parents have prayed, and you've discussed it, and you're clear with this pursuing, asking a certain young lady. Well, just realize that at that point, God has only shown you part of your answer yet. And if you can keep that in mind as you proceed, you can simply trust that God will open the way as he will in this whole matter of you finding a marriage partner. If you on the other hand, have set your heart on a certain one, then at any point, if you get a no, that, that can almost derail you and your confidence in God. But if you have trusted in God and realize that at this point, you only have part of your answer. The reason I say that is because the young ladies... I believe before God they have the right, if I want, I'm not sure if a right is the correct term, but responsibility to say yes or no. I will go with this young man or I will not go with this young man. And there should not be a pressure placed upon you that you have to say yes if you're not comfortable. It should be a free choice on your part. And... In the Proverbs we read that it's, it's, um, it's a mystery how a man has a way with a maid. And I think that's referring to how a young man can persuade a young lady to go with him. There is a bit of a mystery in that. You would think that the ladies wouldn't even be interested in some cases. But God has a way of changing and turning the heart. And yet... The young lady has the right to say no, and I believe her parents have the right to say that for her, if they're not clear. So if the young man has heard from the Lord, that's well and good, but it's only part of your answer yet. You haven't received the full answer yet. You need these other steps yet to open up for God's will to be made clear in this matter. If her parents say no, accept that. If she says no, accept that. And just understand this is part of God's working things out in your life. Now it may seem strange. Why would God allow you to go through this step, give you confidence to ask, and then get a no. Well, I don't understand all of God's ways. But I do believe that God does have your best interests in mind. And I can say that based on a number of cases that I know where a young man received a no. And it clearly turned out to be God's will. It wasn't that these young men were, um, was, that they were bad, or that not qualified. But God just made it clear. They received a no. And they sought the Lord some more and found someone else that said yes. And they're happily married today. Clearly in, in God's will. So, why is it that God takes young men through that? I, I don't have the answer necessarily. But I do believe that as in many other cases in life... God doesn't give us the whole picture at once. And he wants us to work through some things. And, and if, if the young ladies 
or their parents are going to have the right to say no, then the young men have to reckon with that and just accept that this is God's way of showing what his will is. So is there only one person that could be right for you? We could say on the one hand, no, there are, there are more than one. And yet, you want to know which one God would have for you. And we're going to look at an example in the scripture from Genesis uh, 24. This is the story of Rebecca. And I don't find any New Testament passage that guides us through a courtship or how this should work. So we're just going to draw a few lessons from this, Genesis 24. not sure if we'll read the whole thing, but we'll start there in verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou Bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that sware unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman be not willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. Now let's just stop and consider a few things here. And I'm not saying that we're, we're going to do courtship just like this, this one here. Um, but I think there are several key points that are very valuable instruction for us. First of all, Abraham was concerned about what kind of wife his son would have. Not just any pretty lady was going to do. There would have been many beautiful women in Canaan, but he did not want his son married to one of the daughters of the Canaanites. It was a thing about righteousness. And he didn't enter into this lightly. He sent his, his he was going to send his servant over there to find this woman, but he made this servant swear to him concerning this matter. This was a serious thing. And I think we should enter into that in a serious way too. Not, not in the manner of swearing here, but to make it a matter of, of diligence in our heart. What kind of lady um, the Lord would have our son to marry. And a young man, as he's considering that, should also consider that before the Lord. What kind of lady? And I think we can just agree this morning that those who are not saved are not qualified to be partners to those who are saved. That's very clear from the New Testament. Paul had an admonition to those widows 
He said that it'd be good or fine for them to get married, uh, especially the young widows, he said, should get married. But he made this statement that they could get married to whomsoever they will, only in the Lord. And that would mean they needed to be believers. Okay, so if the person that you might consider is not a believer, they're automatically disqualified. God does not want you to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. However, in this matter, we're probably choosing between a number of righteous, um, righteous young ladies, any of which might qualify as you're considering this. But just note that Abraham had a, had a concern that it be a righteous woman. And of course, Eliezer, the servant here, his question was, what if the woman isn't willing to follow me? Well, Abraham made it clear that he still has this, these certain things clearly in mind. Do not bring my son to, these, to the Canaanites. And don't, don't take him back to this country. I want her to come to our land. But he said this, in verse 8, If the woman be not willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this thy, my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. Now it doesn't say what he might have done if he couldn't find a lady. But one thing for sure, Abraham did not want him to take Isaac back to that land. So his servants swear. Uh, but what I'd like to note and pull out of this is that even in all this seriousness, if the lady did not willingly come, then Eliezer was clear of his responsibility or his, his oath. And I just take from that that so a young man prays about a certain young lady and he gets a clearing in his own mind and heart and clearing with his parents and he goes there and the young lady or her parents say no then you just accept that as God's will for your life. You don't insist, well, the Lord showed me, and so you must, you must come with me, because the Lord showed me. Well, the Lord only showed you part of it, and he'll show her the other part. And if it all agrees, then the Lord has given you a clearing. I think that's how you need to enter into it. Well, going on in the story, the servant took ten camels, the camels of his master, and, and he made his journey. And in verse 12, he prays. He says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he was done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also. 
until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Now, as I read this account, it seems like in this last verse that Eliezer was almost astounded at how clearly and quickly the Lord had answered his prayer. Now, isn't it a blessing if you as a young man get such an answer so quickly and so astoundingly clear? Well, I say, yes, that's a blessing, but many times it's not quite so clear, not quite so quick. And that's okay. I would say this might have been an exception. But what I would like to have us see here is the clear providence of the Lord and the importance of having faith in God. And note what he said in his prayer. Verse 14, Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. She that thou hast appointed. Abraham and then Eliezer all wanted God's will and blessing in this matter. And I think so it should be for a young man who sets out to find a wife. He should want and pray for God's blessing. That God would show clearly the one that is appointed for him. And as I read this, it they, they clearly saw themselves as servants of the Lord. Eliezer said, For thy servant Isaac. Do we have a surrendered heart that way? Lord, we are your servant, and we trust in your providence to show what you would have. Now, is it right for us to set qualifications and things before the Lord that if this is the way, if this is the one, then, then show me this sign? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we necessarily need to set the qualifications, although there may be a place for some of that. But I would say we need to hold that with a bit of carefulness in that we can set our mind in a certain direction. Well, it's got to be this, it's got to be this way. And then if it's not that way, then we start being not sure. Did we hear from the Lord or didn't we? But I believe in faith we can let God's providence be made manifest. And I believe God will make it plain. As I mentioned the, uh, the progression of finding clearing from the Lord, clearing with your parents, going to her parents, and then finally to the girl, all of those should be a yes to get the complete answer from the Lord. And I think this was clearly followed in this, in this whole account. Now let's talk about something else. It says the damsel was very fair to look upon. She was a beautiful young lady. But you know Eliezer didn't make that a condition as to which one would be suitable. The prayer that he had and the specific request was one of generosity and kindness that would come out of her character. And I think that is so important. That's so important for you young men to think about and for you young ladies. God has made young ladies beautiful. But oftentimes you might feel like you're the exception. 
Yeah, God made most of them beautiful, but not me. And young man might think, well, yeah, I know most young ladies are beautiful, but do I have to trade uh, beauty for character? Well, some years ago, there was a young man considering marriage, and life was getting on, you know, and he didn't have a wife, and I had a few conversations with him, and one day he kind of shared a little concern he had. Wasn't quite sure how to say it, but he, he knew it was important to find a young lady of character. But he guesses in, his, in the back of his mind was his fear that if he really focuses on character, he's going to end up with an ugly duckling. And he just, that was, that was hard on him. Well, yeah, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I tried to reassure him that, I, you know, I don't think that's a, that's a reasonable concern. You know, just... It's important to, uh, to have character first. And don't just assume that with character comes the ugly duckling. Because that's... Yeah. But... I mean, what can I say? I don't, I don't know who he's going to get married to, or if he will, or what. So let's talk about beauty. The scripture says that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now the scripture tells us that Sarah, Abraham's wife, was very fair to look upon. And this actually caused Abraham some concern when he went down to Egypt and he instructed her to tell a bit of a fib, or at least not to tell the whole truth. Tell them that you're my sister. Now this was only a half-truth. And I don't think it was to Abraham's credit to be saying this, but she submitted herself to this. And when the Egyptians saw her, they saw that she was fair, very fair to look upon. So it wasn't just Abraham's imagination. She was a beautiful woman. And it says the Egyptians, when they saw her, they mentioned her to Pharaoh. That beauty somehow attracted them, and they, they actually mentioned her to Pharaoh, and so he took her in. And you know how... God was displeased with that, and he, he troubled the house of Pharaoh until Pharaoh finally realized his error and let her go and, and actually reproved Abraham for having deceived him. So, this matter of beauty... It's good and it's great. God made it that way, but it's not the substance of the matter. And I think we need to just have that clearly in mind. Young ladies, you don't need to doll yourself up and try to try to put on a show and and fix things up in a way that will attract the young men. Because if if it's only your beauty that attracts the young man, he probably isn't of the character that you want. And further, he will probably be just as quickly distracted by the lady that surpasses you in beauty. That's not a good thing. And young men? Yes, beauty is great. But there needs to be character and there needs to be substance behind it. There needs to be something more than just beauty. And let's actually look at what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3. This is a very familiar passage, but it bears repeating here because it even mentions Sarah's name. <clears throat> 
1 Peter chapter 3, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, while this is talking to wives, but concerning their husbands, and apparently their unbelieving husbands, I think it could also apply to young ladies considering their character as that which should attract a young man. That the young man can behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And he says, Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Sarah was a lady of great beauty, but she had something much deeper than that. She had, she adorned herself in the hidden man of the heart with a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So young ladies, seek to adorn yourselves with that inner character, inner quality, the hidden man of the heart with a meek and quiet spirit which God considers very valuable, of great price. And young men, that's the kind of lady you should be looking for, one who adorns herself more concern and care for the inward character than for an outward show. Well, back here in Genesis Eliezer is here wondering whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He seems astounded that it was so quickly answered. So he asks her where she's from, and she told him. She invited him to their house. <clears throat> they came to the house, and well, let's see, where are we down here? Verse 32, And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have spoken, uh, until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great, and, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses, and Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And so he goes on to, to give the story. And he, he explained how he came here and what he had prayed and, and what he was looking for and how this woman had answered or done what he had, he had asked of the Lord and In verse 49, And now, if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. 
Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Now there he secured the parents' permission. And while this all seems to have taken place in a very short space of time, it usually doesn't work quite that quickly for us. So just just understand that these things take some time. But before Eliezer was ready to move ahead. He had to lay out all of this before her parents, and they said, We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. And I'm not sure exactly what that means. Does it mean they felt they couldn't couldn't say anything otherwise? But they consented, Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And I think we can draw from this simply that they sense the confirmation of the Lord. And that's something that is, I think, very important in this whole matter as I've been emphasizing the matter of trusting in God, trusting that God will lead, trusting that God will turn the hearts as he desires for it to be. And here the parents were persuaded, as the Lord hath spoken. Somehow in all of this they had... They simply rested in a confidence that this was God's will. And I think that is important for uh, the parents, the, the ladies' parents. When a young man comes asking, there needs to be a settled confidence that this is the Lord's will. And Eliezer here was ready to turn to the right hand or to the left or to go somewhere else if he gets a no. It seems even after this amazing confirmation from the Lord, he was still willing to go left or right if they say no. Somehow they, they sensed that it was, it was of the Lord. And I'd just say as a matter of, of um, speaking to parents or to, even to the young people, how is it that we finally make a determination whether it should be yes or no? That's not always easy. Uh, it's not always easy, especially for the parents of a young man I mean, if the young lady, if the young man comes and asks the father, so can I court your daughter? Well, that's a big question. And many times it simply comes down to trusting what the Lord would have us to say, yes or no. And sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's yes. We may, in our mind, think through a whole list of reasons why we said yes or why we said no. Some of them not easy to explain. And for the young man who gets a no, his first thoughts would mean, oh, I'm rejected. I'm rejected. Well... In a sense, yes, I guess. But it doesn't necessarily mean that his 
his character is inferior or it's or he's it may be just as simple as it doesn't seem like it's the right suitable um, suitable match and you just don't have a clearing from the Lord there may be times when there are there are obvious reasons or why you would say no uh, and you might might say that to the young man, but on the other hand, maybe you wouldn't. And when it comes down to the young lady, when she says yes or no, um, I think she should have the liberty to say no if she does not feel comfortable in her heart to go ahead. I don't think she should feel obligated toward the young man that he might feel bad. I mean, I'm going to hurt his feelings if I say no. Well, that should not be the deciding factor. You need to have a confidence from the Lord that you should say yes before you say yes. And you shouldn't feel obligated to give an answer to the young man as to why you have said no. He can go ask someone else. But you should have the liberty to say yes or no. Well, the parents here said yes. Well, they had, they had an exchange of some, they gave her jewels, silver and gold and raiment, gave them to Rebecca, gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things, verse 53. And they did eat and drink, and the men that were with him, and tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. Well, then it came down in verse 58, And they called Rebekah, and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now that was quite amazing, never even having seen the young man, scarcely knowing anything about him, and he lives in a far country, and she says, yes, I will go. Now that took some faith. But I would just like to say to you young ladies, you, it's also important for you to have faith in God. And sometimes the Lord just gives us clear impressions. That's about all we could call it. There's no voice out of heaven that says this or that. But if you're unclear and un, uncertain, um, you're not obligated to say yes. You can give it some time, and if you still are not clear before the Lord, you still don't have to say yes. It would be my persuasion that you should have a clear sense, or at least a, a, a reasonable feeling and a settledness in your heart that this, this is okay, this is, this is good, this is, this is right. And you, I, I know I'm speaking to some with varied experiences here and some of you that have been married for a brief time, some for a long time. Maybe your impression was very different. Maybe when the young man came, you had a ready answer. You had decided long ago that the answer would be yes when he comes. Well, that's, that's fine, I guess. If the Lord has opened the way on everything else, but it's not always that way. Sometimes it's a little bit of a new thought. Hmm. This young man, maybe I don't know him that well. And all of those things are part of the picture. Well, this one turned out very well. She went. She became his wife in verse 67 it says, And Isaac brought her into his mother, 
Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Well that's a beautiful story and you may think well mine just isn't quite that straightforward. My, um, my journey had a few more twists and turns than this one. Well, that may be I don't think every everyone is exactly the same. But I do believe and, and would encourage you this morning that if you enter into it in the fear of God, simply trusting in God's providence for you. As I mentioned before, this matter of God's providence is true in all areas of life. But especially in this case, we need to lean on trusting that God is working out His will for my life. You know, you can enter into it realizing that for most, God's plan is for you to get married. So if you've asked talking to the young men here, if you've asked and, and, uh, and you've got to know, well, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. God is still working. Um, there's many young men that have gotten a no. Many fine young men have gotten a no. And some have gotten two no's. And some maybe more. But I know some young men like that who are now happily married. I think I left the one story hanging about the young man that was concerned about the ugly duckling. Well, he did get married. And she was, first of all, of good character and also beautiful of countenance. I don't think anyone would have argued with him or said otherwise. She was a very beautiful young lady and he's happily married these number of years. So many of the fears, many, yes, many fears that you have going into this, you need to just let them rest in the providence of God. So to the young man, if, you, if you're trembling, as you probably will be, if you've not gone to her father yet, you, you may be clear with, in your own mind, maybe with your parents, you go to her father and, and just trust at that point that God is working out his best. And if the answer is no, you have reserved yourself to a point that you can accept that as God's will. And if her parents say yes, and then you ask the young lady and she says no, then again you have reserved yourself to the point where it's, yeah, it's painful, yes, but it's not the end of the matter between you and God. It's just that was not God's will. God closed the door here. And now I need to just seek God further um, and find his direction for my life. I don't think the man should become discouraged thinking, well, I, I must have not heard from God, I, I, you know. And I would just say while we emphasize the importance of, of knowing God's will and moving ahead with his direction, I believe it's only part of the process and God doesn't always show you everything from start to finish. So don't be discouraged if you've gotten a no. Just lay it before the Lord 
and just know that God is still interested and most likely his plan is still for you to be married, although there are exceptions and you need to be willing and surrendered to God's will in that as well. And to the young ladies, you likewise, while you're preparing yourself, you need to trust in the providence of God. And if a young man comes, there can be all kinds of pressures put on you. Well, if you say no, he'll be, he'll be mad at me for the rest of my life, or, or his feelings will be hurt. Or what if no one else comes and asks? What if it's my only chance? You'll have to lay those fears aside and just consider the matter before the Lord and with your parents and talk about it. Seek the Lord's will. And when you have confidence that the Lord is in it and that you can, with a clear heart, say yes, then you can say yes. And if the Lord doesn't give you peace and you say no, then just trust that God will still bring another young man your way, the right one. Let me just speak a bit more, I guess, some of my, I don't know, some of my observations. I mentioned this thing of fears, and, and I know that as a young person, you can't see the future. God doesn't show us the future. We're tossed about sometimes this way and that. Um, young men have fears, fears of rejection. They're not sure if they want to go. And after one rejection or two rejections, then your courage is really low and you're not sure. But just have faith in God. Have faith in God. And God will make your path plain. Young ladies, they have fears. They have fears that maybe they're not beautiful enough. Nobody will notice. Um, or maybe they're fearful that the young man they don't want is the one that's going to come and ask. And... You know, just, again, put your faith in God. And maybe kind of difficult. You're not the ones who are going out there pursuing it or trying to find someone. But it's not wrong for you to consider, as you observe the young man, what kind of character is acceptable to you. And, and you can talk with your parents and seek to keep your emotions and feelings in check, not let them go after a certain young man. Just rest in the providence of God. There are, well, I don't know, there's lots of, uh, lots of illustrations that come to mind. Young men who have gotten a no from their first request and later found a young lady that was clearly God's will and they've, they've gone on and gotten married and things are fine. There's young ladies uh, likewise who thought life had passed them by and God brings a young man their way that's just the right one and, and they can they've been happily married and of course I know you you know of people who never did get married 
maybe some who desired it, and we don't understand all of God's ways. We can't choose their path for them. But again, Paul would even admonish those um, that they should seek to, to serve the Lord in whatever way they're called, they serve the Lord. And that's, that's how we need to approach life. Whatever God's plan is for us, we serve the Lord, first and foremost. Well, I trust this can be a blessing for those who are seeking. Um, I know this doesn't answer all the questions. There are, there are more issues probably that, that I haven't really touched on, what-if scenarios. But I do believe if we keep in focus some of the main points of how these things should go and then trust that God will make things plain for us. Um, again, like I said, the New Testament doesn't really lay out a, a pattern for us, but we do find here in this case of Isaac and Rebekah some very key points in helping us keep our confidence and faith in God. May the Lord bless.